Shalom. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Emmaus Road Fellowship, where we encounter Yeshua in the scriptures. Check out our website at walkingemmausroad.org, where you'll find additional teachings and information on visiting us in Kingwood, Texas. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving to support Emmaus Road's mission of spreading the good news of the kingdom. May God grant you shalom in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. So with the the songs we were singing earlier and just the the focus on God's faithfulness um, through the ages and our going and our coming to our children and their children, I was thinking about the purposes God has in his heart and what what was really, well, what's on my heart today to share is actually uh, from Psalm 46. It's about God being an ever-present help in trouble. I felt like that was the overarching message for today. And so then for us to be singing songs all about that, uh, that was not planned. <laughs> It's, it's not planned, but this is often how things work out. You know, the Lord has a message, and he gives the message to, to multiple ears that he wants to, to proclaim. And there's probably going to be a lot of improvising today. So, <laughs> But so here we are. Today is July 4th, and we're celebrating Independence Day. And if you think back to what things must have been like leading up to the Revolutionary War, they weren't easy. There were, there were times of trial and challenge that the people had to walk through because there was something new that was being birthed. There was something new on the horizon coming through. Um, and it took endurance. It took uh, people understanding that there's a mission ahead. There may be a tough road ahead, but there's something worth fighting for on the other side. And it took people coming together and those, you know, you see the, the pictures of the uh, colonies right on the flags where you show the, the snake that was cut into pieces and it said, unite or die. And the reality was that all, it was telling all the colonies, we need to come together as one, for alone we will not be able to stand. And even today, that's a message for the body of believers that we must unite across uh, lines of division, across things that would keep us separate and come together so that we can stand in the day where darkness is trying to take over and be pushing forward and working toward the light. Knowing that there is a new beginning, there is a good something around the corner, right? And we can't just fall back on, well, in the end we win, or, you know, things like that. I mean, we do want to hold on to that, you know, hold on to, in the end we win, but we also know that there's there's a road ahead that we must walk down and forge such that the blessing will continue on to our children and our grandchildren. That's even that's what the families were fighting for in the Revolutionary War. It wasn't just for their life. It was for their children and their children, right? And so we, too, need to have that kind of a mindset as we do go forward, right? The Scripture tells us that we're to teach our children the ways of the Lord and to walk in them, you know? And we do these... We walk in faithfulness, not just for ourselves, but for our children and their children, such that they will know the truth and walk in it as well. And along the way, when we face trials, we have to press on and we have to overcome. And we can do that. But when we, if we aren't prepared for a road ahead, if we aren't prepared that there may be trials ahead, then it will be more difficult to, to find the strength to move on. More difficult to be able to overcome when the challenges come up. Um, this is actually a message of encouragement, not one of hopelessness, by the way. So, <laughs> and it's, uh, but, it, but there is, there's, there's also a sobering call to say, to ask, am I prepared? What do I need to do to prepare? You know, physically and spiritually. For what lies ahead, because it's uh, it's God's intention to to provide for us both physically and spiritually, and He calls on us to walk with Him in physical and spiritual preparation and and carrying out His plans. Right. Um. So we're going to take a look in our parsha this week. We have a double. We have a double portion. 
right? We have two two uh, two portions this week, Fukat and Balak. And in in our Torah study earlier this week, the comment was made. You know, sometimes when we when we have a double portion, there's there's not a whole lot of there's not a whole lot of things that happen. There's a lot of good word, but then it's like not a whole lot of events. But in this double portion, there's a lot of events. You know, a lot took place. Now, a lot of time had passed between our last portion and this one. The last one we read about Korah and his rebellion, which is assumed to have happened sometime not long after the bad report of the spies. So it would have been maybe in the second year or third year uh, coming out of out of Egypt. Well, now we, we fast forward, and in this portion, we're now... 39 years in the wilderness are complete, and we're beginning the 40th year in the wilderness. So it's the final year in the wilderness. And in this time frame, from the, the first month to the 11th, okay, so it's a, in a 10-month span, all this happens. The death of Miriam and the water disappearing. Then the water is brought forth from the rock. The death of Aaron children of Israel were attacked by the king of Arad. They had the fiery serpents come against them and the uh, bronze serpent raised up. They had a battle with Sihon and they had a battle with Og. They had the instance of Balak who called Balaam to curse the children of Israel. And then they also had the occasion with harlotry with the Moabites and the Midianite women and the plague that ensued. All that happened in a 10-month span. And in the first four months of that, that covered the death of Miriam, the water from the rock, and the death of Aaron. So in six months, you had all of these battles. Now, that's a lot that's going on. But you know that any time the children of Israel were on the move to take possession of the land, opposition arose. Right? We read all about the descent that occurred in the time that they left Mount Sinai, headed towards Kadesh Barnea. And... Uh, just account after account of trials that came along the way. The Revolutionary War had to have these trials leading up to it. And now here is the children of Israel coming into the final year in the wilderness, and they're on their way, on their journey to the Promised Land. Now they're running into all these events. And when you look at all these happening in a short time frame, it kind of made me wonder, well, was that the template for 2020? Or was 2020 the template for this, you know? For for that point in time, I don't know, but 2020 has been a little bit wild. That's right. Our hope and our prayer is that 2020 will calm down. Oh, David. Yes. No. No. And 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 uh, so the comment was made. Maybe this is just the four, first four month period of the ten months. And if I have to be honest with you, I think it is. Now. I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be a doomsayer, okay? All right. Now, here's, here's one thing. I, I do, I, I, yeah, see, the thing is, after, after the night comes, comes the day, right? Weeping may last for a night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. And may it be that there is no more difficulty in 2020. You know, God forbid there be any more difficulty. But if there is, what are we doing to, to prepare ourselves for it, right? Um, and, you know, uh, I'm, so I'm not making a proclamation of evil to come. I do have suspicions that there may be more difficulty on the horizon, right? And if you've come to a place where, okay, back when we went into our first lockdown in March, you know, did most everybody kind of stock up on a little bit of food and a little bit of supplies and kind of make some preparations for the fact that you maybe kind of uh, hold up for a little while? Well, most people did. And panic buying, yes. I mean, certain, yeah, toilet paper went off the shelves, you know. And I, I, that may be the indicator of a crisis. So the stores still have it, so everything's okay, right? Uh, but, but then, then the next question is, well, what about when things started to open back up? Did all your supplies go back to normal? Did you, did, did, you know? And so some people, the answer is yes. Some people, the answer is no, right? Um. I would encourage everyone to go ahead and keep some level of preparation, right? And it's not saying that it is going to happen, but it's just being prepared in the event. And then if you are prepared, if something does come, 
then you're not actually doing, causing a drain on the supplies for others who didn't prepare, right? So anyway, in the end, it all works out. Pre- preparation is a good idea, okay? <laughs> um, but, you know, within all of this, throughout all the ordeals, God is continually an ever-present help in trouble, and that's what he was for the children of Israel, right? If you look back at these stories and this, these portions of what happened, right, you have the story of the red heifer, where God shows that he will cleanse us from death. He will give the provision for cleansing from death. He provides for our physical and spiritual needs with water from the rock, right? The water from the rock it was, was a nourishment to the, to the bodies of the children of Israel, but it was also the spiritual rock of Messiah from which the nourishment was coming to the children of Israel through the word, right? The Torah and, and the water are often put together. He will deliver us from trouble and heal our sicknesses, as happened in the case of the fiery serpents. Right? He gave, he gave a, method, a method of escape. And then he delivers us from our physical enemies, as we saw with Sihon and Og. He shields us from our enemies spiritually. Right, For Balaam could not curse the children of Israel. And God expects us to walk faithfully, and he holds us accountable for our actions. It's like, wait a second, wait, wait. Why'd you throw that last one in there? Everything sounded really good until I got to that last one. <laughs> but it's true. God will expect us to walk faithfully. Wow. And <laughs> hold us accountable for our actions. But in Micah 6.8, this is what he tells us. He's told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Right, so that's what we get to do as we go on this way to a new beginning. You know, I can't tell you what the new beginning will look like, but I do expect there's a new beginning on the other side of the trials. Right, and that's where we get the opportunity to come in and we get to intercede, such that the trials are lessened, such that um, we see the victory that God intends to deliver to us, right? Because he didn't deliver the land without the children of Israel going up to take the land. He said, I'm going to go before you and behind you, and I'll be with you just as we sang. But he said, you're going to go, and I'm going with you. Now, as the children of Israel set out on their journey, right, they did encounter trials, as I mentioned, with the fiery serpents. We're going to read this story here. In Numbers 20, verses 14 through 21, Moses sent messengers from from Kadesh to the king of Edom. Thus says your brother Israel, you know all the hardship that we have met, how our fathers went down to Egypt, and we lived in Egypt a long time, and the Egyptians dealt harshly with us and our fathers. And when we cried to the Lord, he heard our voice and sent an angel and brought us out of Egypt. And here we are in in Kadesh, a city on the edge of your territory. Please let us pass through your land. We will not pass through field or vineyard or drink water from a well. We will go along the king's highway. We will not turn aside to the right hand or to the left until we have passed through your territory. But Edom said to him, You shall not pass through, lest I come out with the sword against you. And the people of Israel said to him, We will go up by the highway, and if we drink of your water, I and my livestock, then I will pay for it. Let me only pass through on foot, nothing more. But he said, You shall not pass through. And Edom came out against them with a large army and a strong force. Thus Edom refused to give Israel passage through his territory. So Israel turned away from him. Okay. And then continuing on in Numbers 21, 1 through 9, when the Canaanite, the king of Arad, who lived in the Negev, heard that Israel was coming by the way of Atharim, he fought against Israel and took some of them captive. And Israel vowed a vow to the Lord, saying, If you will indeed give this people into my hand, then I will devote their cities to destruction. And the Lord heeded the voice of Israel and gave over the Canaanites, and they devoted them and their cities to destruction. So the name of the place was called Hormah. From Mount Hor they set out by way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many of 
of the people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. So with what happened here, the children of Israel took to complaining as they were on their way. Now, when our, when our portion opened up, it spoke of all the children coming into the wilderness of Zen in the first month. And Rashi said that when it says that the whole congregation came, that it was all the people who, were in, who God intended or who, had, uh, who were not going to die in the wilderness save Miriam and Aaron. And so these, all the generation had passed away who were to die in the wilderness. So now the children of Israel say, okay, we're coming into the 40th year. God said we would be in the wilderness for 40 years. Our deliverance is at hand, right? It's about time, and now we're on the move. And we're going to go up, and we're going to ask our brothers to let us pass through their land, you know, and they get rejected. And now they're having to go around a long way. And along the way, they get attacked, right? And they've, they've seen Miriam die. Now they've seen uh, Aaron pass. And they are, well, my, my thought on it is that they're losing heart because what they thought would be taking place was not happening. They were encountering more trials than they anticipated along the way. And when you think your journey, your battle is already done, only to find that there is more ahead of you, that is really disheartening. And it's difficult to muster the strength to go on. And that's what was happening here. I think back to uh, my days when I was in the Corps of Cadets at A&M. At the end of my freshman year, I had earned a special privilege to carry the, the flag for our unit. And when you earn that, that privilege, you also earn the privilege of doing a lot of physical training in order to receive this, uh, this position. And the, the, the physical training, I really can't remember what all, how long it took and what all we did. It was, it was pretty brutal. I, I couldn't move much for a number of days afterwards. But it was, we ran, um, I don't remember how many miles, probably six miles on top of countless push-ups, sit-ups, anything you can name it, right? And as we are finishing after multiple hours of it, we're running, and I see the end, and they're like, come on, push through to the end. And so, and I, you know, you have to run with the flag up over your head the whole way. I start just running with everything I had, and I make it to the dorm, and I'm like, yes! And they go, two more laps around the... <laughs> around this thing, which was going to be, you know, uh, about another mile and a half. And I was, I almost collapsed, right? Because in my mind, I was done. But I wasn't done. And so then I had to muster up the strength to, to continue on and finish. But it was, it took everything that was in me to, to get back going and be able to complete it. And that's one of the reasons why I'm encouraging us to be prepared, you know, and not to say, oh, well, surely it's all over, right? Instead, to be like, no, 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 you know what? I pray that it's over, but you know what? I'm going to keep on training physically and spiritually such that I can walk through whatever curveball may come up with two more laps, right? <laughs> so we need that. We need that mindset. Just as the children of Israel here needed strength to endure and to carry on, but they began to give in to their weariness of now over 39 years in the wilderness, right? And the result of their complaining was these fiery serpents that actually magnified their problem, right? Because now people are dying. People who should be living are dying. So God gives a solution, right? And he tells Moses to raise up this serpent on a pole. And, and that all who look to this serpent will be healed. And in the Talmud, 
it asks the question of well, what was so special about this serpent on the pole? And it says, could then the serpent kill or bring to life? But it means that when the children of Israel looked up toward heaven for help and submitted their will to that of their father in heaven, they were healed. But when they did not, they perished. It was about their the attitude of their heart and were they walking in repentance? Where was their hope? Their hope was to look to what God had placed before them and, and to what the this, this solution that God had given. And because they did that, because they heeded the word of the Lord, they would be restored. Now, this, uh, this bronze serpent, it's called the Nachash. And then it's made of Nachoshet, which is copper or bronze. So very much related, and that's how it becomes this, this bronze serpent raised up on the pole. And in the scripture, when it says that it, you shall raise it up on the pole, it's to raise it up on a nace, which is on a miracle. So there's actually a miracle that this is raised up to and that the people are to look to. And the gematria, if you get into the, the numerology, you know, the numbering of the names of Nahash and Messiah, you have the same they're the same number, right? So there's a connection between the two, right? And so this was this was an illustration of something that we see in, in the Bible where that which you think is the death of you is actually your salvation, right? Because they're getting bit by fiery serpents, and now they're asked to look to a serpent who's raised up. And that that is becomes their salvation. It's an interesting thing. Uh, it ties even back to the story of um, Jacob wrestling the angel before he came into the land. And was he wrestling Esau's angel? What was what was he wrestling? What enemy was he wrestling? Um, and often it's uh, understood that really the one that they're wrestling with is Messiah. The one, the one they think is their enemy is actually their savior. And sometimes when God is sending something that's intended to be a salvation to us, we see it as, as a problem, right? Like if we think about what's happening so far in 2020, right? We had uh, a lockdown, which gave us a chance to say, wait a minute, are we really prepared? Are we prepared physically and spiritually? You know, and so we need to check that inventory and say, what do we need to do? to prepare for whatever may lie ahead. Because there will be days in the future, whether it's now or whether it's years from now, that we do run into trials. Okay, and so with each one of these trials, we can look at them as as a, kind of a testing and preparation ground that makes it such that we can overcome more. Anytime you do a physical workout, right? Say you're doing push-ups. Maybe you start out, you can only do five push-ups, right? But the more you do them, the more you're going to be able to do. It's all part of preparation. But with this, with this serpent that's raised up that the children look to, in Isaiah eleven ten through ten and twelve, the scripture says, "Then in that day the nations will resort to the root of Jesse, who stand, who will stand as a signal for the peoples, and his resting place will be glorious, and he will lift up a standard for the nations and assemble the banished ones of Israel, and will gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth." And what's, he will lift up this, this standard. This standard that's being lifted up, of course, is pointing to Messiah. And it's also a playback on this story of what the children of Israel will look to and who the nations will be gathered to as Messiah. Yeshua speaks of it in John 3 when he says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And Yeshua says also in John twelve thirty two through 33 And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So he was giving allusions back to the healing and deliverance that came to the children of Israel in the desert and saying that he will be lifted up 
right? And that would be the way in which he would die. He would be raised up on a pole. But then even after his death, he would be resurrected and he'd be raised up into the heavens, right? The miracle raised up into heaven. Still the one drawing all men to himself. So God was, it was always God's intent to give an answer to the problem of sin and death, to give an answer, a way out, an escape from that which was coming against his people. Now, as we do this, you know, we, we mentioned that the children of Israel had to look at what God told them to look at. And that it was not it was not the bronze serpent on the pole that was that was their salvation, it was God. And even so, our trust that we have today is not in man, not in objects, but it's really in in God. Our hope for our solution for the trials our nation is facing, is really not in a political party. It's really not in a political party. It's not in one man who can come in with all, all the solutions. Our hope really is in God. He's our trust, and he warns us not to, not to put our trust in man. In Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see good, not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man whose trust, who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green, and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. So God gives us promises of provision, protection, that we can trust in him, that he is with us, that he is for us. Right? He provides the way for us to walk, shows us his path, he lights our paths by his Torah, and asked us to come and participate in his provision. Because in, in each of the stories, you know, when we, when we look back at what was happening to the children as they're approaching the promised land, he asked them to participate. He says, okay, put up this bronze serpent. It does no good if you don't look to it. Now join with me and look to it, right? Uh, you're coming into battle with Sihon and Og. You're going to have to take up arms. You know, with the story of the red heifer and the, and the ashes of purification, if you become contaminated with death, you actually have to go present yourself and for cleansing and receive the waters of purification. Each one has an act like God provides and we step into it. God provides and we step into it. But he's always with us, always going with us and before us. All right. And within all this, as we, as we do walk faithfully, right, then we receive, we receive blessings and peace from the Lord. He looks and he perceives no iniquity in us nor any perversity. As Balaam said when he looked at the children of Israel, he said, you know, God's not angry. <laughs> this, this, this people, they are blessed. And even when the enemy comes with plans to bring destruction, God turns it. God can take that which is evil and turn it for good. When we look at what happened with Balaam, Balaam came to curse. It was his full intention to curse the children of Israel. But because he had had an encounter with an angel on the road who was going to strike him down, he decided that he better listen. And, and so when he opened his mouth, blessings came forth. In Numbers 23, 7 through 10, Balaam took, Balaam took up his discourse and said, From Aram, Balak has brought me, the king of Moab from the eastern mountains. Come curse Jacob for me and come denounce Israel. How can I curse whom God has not cursed? 
How can I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? For from the top of the crags I see him, from the hills I behold him. Behold, the people dwelling alone and not counting itself among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the upright and let my end be like his. Had to be a little disheartening for Block. And he continues on with the second blessing. He says, Rise, Balak, and hear. Give ear to me, O son of Zippor. God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Behold, I received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot revoke it. He has not beheld misfortune in Jacob, nor has he seen trouble in Israel. The Lord their God is with them, and the shout of a king is among them. That shout of the king is a is a teruah, a shofar blast, is among them, right? And even that's that's a picture of Messiah being with them. Um, I don't know if it's here or another spot where he talks about a star issuing forth who will rule with the scepter, you know. And again, that's looking forward to the Messiah. This is Balaam prophesying these great blessings over Israel, right? One who <laughs> one who's sent to curse and who ate, who hates the children of Israel. <laughs> can do nothing but bless because God has blessed. And who is he to be able to revoke that? Continue on. God brings them out of Egypt and is for them like the horns of the wild ox. For there is no enchantment against Jacob, no divination against Israel. Now it shall be said of Jacob and Israel what God has wrought. Behold, the people, as a lioness, it's, it, ra- it rises up, and as a lion, it lifts itself. It does not lie down until it has devoured the prey and drunk the blood of the slain. And then the last blessing that Balaam gives, How lovely are your tents, O Jacob, and your encampments, O Israel, like palm groves that stretch afar, like gardens beside a river, like aloes that the Lord has planted, like cedar trees beside the waters. Water shall flow from his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt, and is for him like the horns of the wild ox. He shall eat up the nations, his adversaries, and break their bones in pieces, and pierce them through with his arrows. He crouched, he lay down like a lion, and like a lioness, who will rouse him up? Blessed are those who bless you, and cursed are those who curse you. What beautiful blessings. And guys, this is this is after the trials that the children of Israel had come through. Now, they hadn't come into the land yet, but they had come through many trials up to this point. And here is God saying that through all their trials, God finds favor in them, and, and his, his intention is for good and blessing that was going to be poured out on the children of Israel. What a great protection. What a great God, trustworthy. He affirmed that they're blessed and not cursed, that God was the protector and the redeemer of Israel. When we look at the other provisions that God made in in this portion, there's two key ones that I was considering going through. I don't know how much we'll go through them, but we're at least going to touch on them. One is the, the rock. The children of Israel complained that they had no water after the death of Miriam. Right? But God wasn't angry with their request. And sometimes we ask, well, why wasn't he angry? Here they are, they're complaining again. You know, something's not going their way and they're complaining, but God was not upset. Instead, God tells Moses, bring forth water from the rock to meet their need. Because water is... A, is absolutely a necessity and that's what the sages say when when they understand why was God not angry because it was a valid complaint that the children of Israel were bringing for to die of thirst would have been a horrible death so now that even though they may have been complaining which was not uh, the ideal method to bring it about God still had grace and compassion on them because he knew their trial he knew their the difficulties that they were facing so God bring, brings forth water through Moses. And this water was, was really waters of salvation to them. And as, as Paul noted, I'm going to read in, in 1 Corinthians 10, 
Paul notes, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Messiah. Now we know that what the children of Israel were eating and drinking in the wilderness was real food and real drink. It was real physical uh, provision. But Paul also wants everyone to know that they were receiving spiritual food and spiritual drink as well. That God was concerned with physical well-being and spiritual well-being so that they could endure on their journey going forward. Right? For if they didn't have both the physical provision and the spiritual provision, then there's no way they could have endured going through 40 years in the wilderness in a harsh environment. Right? And what do you think kept them together? Right? I mean, especially with, with so many among them who knew their future carried them no further than what the wilderness was. When you think all the number who must... who had to pass away in the wilderness. They were living for their children's future. And they were eating the spiritual food. They were drinking the spiritual drink. And that's where we have to find ourselves too, is drinking from this these wells of salvation, right, that God has given to us, finding our refreshing in Him in these times. I'm actually not going to go through the red heifer today. Um, instead, I'm going to give a little bit more time for any discussion that we want to have. But before we wrap up, I'll just refer back to what we're to look to, right? We're to look to God through it all because God is the one who cleanses from death, provides our physical and spiritual needs delivers us from trouble, heals our sicknesses, delivers us from our physical enemies, shields us from from spiritual enemies, and calls us to walk faithfully with Him. And as I mentioned earlier, Psalm 46 had stood out to me. So I want to read Psalm 46 and, and declare this over us for whatever the days hold that, that lie before us. And you know that it's what's interesting. Psalm forty-six is a song written, a psalm written by the sons of Korah. Right? We talked about how the sons of Korah survived. That the end of Korah was not the ground opening up. There was still a legacy that was to go forward. Just even when it looks like something's done and over with, that doesn't mean it's done and over with, because God can bring life out of death. Right? He can bring life out of death, just as Really, you see the cleansing from death through the red heifer. You see uh, the people would die without water, and he, he brings it forth. The children of Israel would die from the serpents, but he brought life out of that. And so here we are. He's bringing life out of the, the sons of Korah, a declaration of who God is before us. So Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. And that's the thing. The Lord is sovereign over all the earth. And I, yeah, I don't know how many times did we hear in the scriptures that were read that God is with us and God is for us. I mean, <laughs> over and over again. And we do. We have to receive that. Right? To shake off the burdens that we walk under. The, 
the fear that tries to grip us and entangle us to shake that off. And even, you know, with the, the story of Balaam, right? The Lord tells him not to go with Balak's people. And he keeps going back and saying, can I? Can I? Come on. You know? And so, and then he goes and says, okay, well, now I know that I must speak only the word of the Lord. But he still each time goes back with, okay, can I curse them? Okay, can I curse them? He keeps flirting with the sin all the way through, just looking for the door to open to sin. It's like, well, we need to be on guard against that. You know, what do we carry with us that is a trap and a snare to us that we should have cast off long ago, but we're still walking with and saying, is it okay if I bring this along? (laughs) Right? Um, It's part of our, our walk of faithfulness to cast off that which so easily entangles us such that we can run with endurance and that we can be found faithful and that uh, we can help others with it along the way. So we look to God, we trust in Him no matter what lies ahead, and as we walk this path, we strengthen one another. We unite, and we do it for ourselves, for our children, for the body of Messiah. We do it for our nation as well, right? Because our, our the future of our children is also part of the land in which we live in. Today's a day to rejoice in what God has given in the blessing of this nation. Right? This, this nation has been blessed, and I believe it will be blessed. Right? I believe it is blessed, even when we do face trials. But one of the things that's so key to this nation is that it was founded upon principles that are biblical and with the idea that God, the true God, is over our nation. And without God at the center of our nation, the nation has no hope, right? And it's the body of believers who are the ones who are called to stand in the gap and to be a strength and a point of intercession and repentance. Sure, we're we're to call people to repent, but first and foremost, we're to get ourselves to repent and to walk uprightly such that we can then disciple people and others and bring them into it as well. We have a great calling. We have a great future. But we look to God to enable it to come forth, to give us the provision to be able to stand in this day in strength with Him, finding His strength welling up within us, that those wells of salvation, that living water. So um, may, may you have a great celebration for uh, the 4th of July and our independence, remembering that it really is about um, this liberty that we've, we've been given, right? And just, I know I'm kind of maybe rambling a little bit here, but when we think about what is true liberty, true liberty is being able to live in a land that is ruled by a just king with righteous laws, right? Now, the United States of America doesn't have a king, right? And that, that's fine. We can still live in a in a good place. We don't we're not supposed to have a king according to our, our constitution, right? But laws were established to protect our liberties, right? And that, and that we could live not under, you know, if you go back to the Revolutionary War, right? The king of England was, uh, he was a tyrant, to the, to the colonies, to the people who lived in the colonies. And so when the, the framers of the Constitution wrote, they said that it's time to cast off the yoke of this, of this tyrannical rule, right? And then to be governed by just laws. You know, when we look at where we are today, those same just laws are to apply. And so we have to, we have to uphold those. But even when we don't even if we don't see those being upheld in our in our land we still know that we're part of a kingdom of heaven whereby we do have a king who is a just king with righteous laws by which we live right he's given us true freedom and that true freedom is to walk at liberty within his provision in his kingdom 
And so it's our desire to have the kingdoms of this world come into alignment with that kingdom, with the kingdom of Yeshua. So that's what we labor towards. We labor towards righteousness revealed in this world such that the kingdom of God is manifest and prepared for the coming king. I do think America has a place in that. So we work together towards that, all in the name of glorifying our coming king. So, Did anybody have any uh, thoughts or questions or anything about the portion that you wanted to, to bring up? Okay, can we give you the the mic? You don't have to come up necessarily. Hey, I just wanted to know, I heard um, this is me to somebody last night, and they were saying that Moses hit the rock potentially because he was sad about his sister passing. And so I wanted to see I don't know. Um, I, I hadn't heard that before, but um, anybody, has anyone heard that? No. Uh, I did, sorry, I'm battling the microphone there. Um, I do recall reading that, you know, the, the rock that he struck, the scripture says, speak to the rock specifically. So it was a rock that was known. <clears throat> and and it was the rock that had followed the children of Israel throughout their wilderness wanderings. And there's some discussion of the sages of perhaps the the rock had been hidden among the other rocks, and there was some confusion as to which rock specifically it was. And potentially that could have played into it. But speaking of the rock, <clears throat> it is interesting to know that the sages thought that this was a rock that followed the children of Israel through their wilderness wanderings, right? And the water that came forth from it couldn't have just been a trickle. You know, when you think about the water coming forth, you probably think, well, I don't really, can't really envision water coming from a rock, so it's probably just this little trickle. No, it's like to, to give, yeah, hundreds of, yeah, a couple million people water. So it's like a river issuing forth from this rock. And the, and the rock followed them. Now, if I think about reading in the Talmud and saying, okay, well, this, this rock followed them. How can the rock follow them? It might be something that you just write off as like, eh, just kind of a story. But, but it's like, no, you know, Paul, he affirms that this rock followed them in the wilderness. It's easier to believe Paul than it is sometimes what we read in the, in the comments of the sages. But, yes. And this is in the desert? In the desert. So, so ice under the rock, that as it melts, it slides across the land in the desert. Fascinating. It had to be a pretty... Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of stuff in this portion that would be kind of hard to believe or understand or sounds kind of paradoxical. For the, for the people who are watching at home, Ben was talking about how just as the rock followed the children of Israel through, the salvation was following the children of Israel through all of the land. It was always there to drink from, and even we get to partake of that.
like the Hamilton part, so he struck it. But it also brought it back around to like when she placed him in the water originally. So they kind of like brought this really cool picture full circle mm. of being Miriam's, like maybe Miriam's rock in some way, or Miriam's well, the rock. Okay. Yeah. Something in that, you know, it's really cool. Yeah, the connection between Miriam and... and I see. Okay. Yeah, so within the the source of the water, uh, the sages understand that Miriam's merit was the... It was in Miriam's merit that the water came forth from the rock. And so then after she passed, it was no longer coming forth. And so then there's, yeah, the connection to him striking the rock. Yeah. It was in her marriage, which is really cool because it ties back to his birth even because Miriam was connected with the birth of Moses and, and how she encouraged her parents to come back into union when they had been apart in order to uh, avert Pharaoh's order to kill all the children. So Miriam had a part in bringing forth Moses and then had it was in her marriage that the water flowed. And then, of course, that then points to Messiah coming forth from Miriam. And it was in Miriam's merit that uh, she bore Yeshua, our Messiah. So, really cool. That's it. The connections and the layered stories are, are beautiful. Anyone else? Chris? I just, I always like the angel when it's uh, in the bottom of the lock. Uh-huh. Uh, Studying it over and over and over again. Uh, this time I saw in Numbers 22, 30, 33, after he says, What are you doing evil in the sight? 33 says, uh, The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. Uh, if she shall not, uh, if she had not turned away from me, I would have killed you by now and let her live. And he said, Me three times there. That's uh, just a completeness that I had not noticed before. Mm. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that is cool. The angel who met Balaam, referring, you know, referring back to himself three times. Yeah. Yeah, very, very cool. And, it, you know, certainly is it's the angel of the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that grace of giving Balaam a, a chance came not from Balaam's choices. It was God saving Balaam from himself <laughs> through a donkey. That's another odd thing, a, a donkey talking. You know, I, I, you know what's funny? I, I went back and, and read in some uh, other Talmud uh, Stories that were related to this, and um, uh, there were certain books where I was like, "Oh, I bet they're going to embellish this story a lot." And there's nothing about talking donkeys. And it's like, but the Bible talks about a talking donkey. Okay, so <laughs> what does it mean? Yeah. Yeah. Peter's denial three times, even the grace that was extended, and the, and the restoration, right? Because Blom had a chance to repent, you know, and, and he, and in some way he kind of did repent, but he didn't continue walking in repentance. Yeah, it was, he was a holy man. I mean, he feared God, you know, in some sense, but he used his, his prophecy for evil, in a sense, but still, redemption would still be there. Could have been. Yeah, and I mean, he was done. He'd blessed three times. He could have left. But instead, he's like, okay, block here. I can't curse them, but here's how you can bring a curse upon them. It's like, man, his intent came through, right? Yeah. 
fast walking. There was one we were watching last night. Uh, it says something to the effect of he turned right into the field uh, for the first time. The second time he turned uh, like toward the vineyard, which represented like Passover. And the third time he was in, in, in the narrow straits where the donkey laid down, which was representative of Sukkot for the Torah, where you don't turn to the left or to the right, but you stay straight ahead. Huh. Very cool. So connecting it to yeah, connecting the, it festivals. To yeah, the festivals. Yeah, that is Yeah, that's good about why is the path to destruction narrow is the way of salvation. You know, when, when a way is narrow, you, you don't get to carry as many things with you. You, don't, you only carry the essentials, right? Like what really matters. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's an important part. Yes. interesting yeah um, with Balaam's path what was so enclosed but it makes me uh, just wonder if it you know like the road to Jericho right is a narrow path right and you just wonder if, if where the angel encountered him was it a place where he's like there is no other way but to submit and come through this way or die right and so even when the donkey tries to get away there's there's no there's, there's no way around. There's no way out. It's like if you're going to go forward, you're going to have to humble yourself and submit before this angel of the Lord. Yeah. A lot happened in 10 months. A lot happened in 10 months, yeah. And, and that's the whole thing. Remember, this was, this was 10 months. And, uh, and that, that even includes the time of falling into temptation with the Moabites and the Midianite daughters, right? And again, it's all these attacks, all these challenges, as there was a new beginning and a breakthrough coming, right? And so we, should, we shouldn't be uh, surprised. And, and the scripture does say that as the day draws near of Yeshua's return, that troubles and trials increase. There's the birth pains of the Messiah. And so... Trial increases. And, but, but the thing is, for all of us who are here today, right, God chose this point in time for us to live. Right? And he doesn't give us anything that we can't bear. Right? So if, if he appointed this time for us to be here on the earth, and it's his desire that we look to him as our strength, and our sustenance, and that we would walk in partnership with him, then we can do what he's calling us to do. Right? It's going to be by the power of his spirit. But are we going to drink his spirit in? This salvation, this well that's following us through the wilderness, are we going to drink from it? Yes. <laughs> drink from the wells of salvation. Right. Yes. Okay, just fun fact. A year ago, during a portion, your sermon was totally on the donkey, like 100%. Okay. But um, I have it in my notes. But something you said kind of goes along with that, and I think is really um, applicable to today. It was, you said, as we face obstacles, is it what is revealed to us, and is this to get me off the path? And you did a whole speech. Do you go back and look at your notes the previous year? I'm curious. Sometimes. But um, you said it's really important to have discernment with others. So... When we deal with wicked people, we expect wickedness. 
and we have to be more guarded. But, and this is what I think is important today, with so much happening, when we deal with righteous people, we need to expect and assume righteousness. And so expect community, friends, and family to be out for my good. And I need to be out for their good. So you also, and you also said we need to have discernment with ourselves. What are my intentions? Where's my heart? Am I trying to creatively twist and omit what the Lord has said to serve myself? So I thought it was good because, gosh, there's a lot of opinions right now, and it's really hard to um, discern, but just assume the righteous has righteous motives. That's great. Um, I wish you had had the microphone. Oh, yeah. Just because, like, the people online would have. No, it's okay. I mean, we haven't been doing that, but. And Okay, so Laura was talking about in this time, this, these are some things from last year's message that um, are really good for us to, to think on, that we need discernment with others, um, that we need, like... Go to the bottom and set Okay, here we go. Um, it says, when we deal with the wicked... With a wicked person, we should expect wickedness. So in other words, we should be on guard and prepared such that we don't fall victim to their schemes. And then when we deal with righteous people, we need to expect and assume righteousness. Right? So a lot of this comes to the giving the benefit of the doubt and seeking unity. And, you know, just as God gives grace, we give grace. And uh, so then we expect our community, friends, and family to be out for our good. And that we also need to be out for their good, such that, you know, we are those who have been made righteous. So now, therefore, our actions need to be in righteousness. So when we set out to do something, am I acting in righteousness? Because if I'm not, then I'm not acting according to my character, right? So anyway, um, yeah, the question of what are my intentions, where's my heart? And do we ever creatively twist and omit it what the Lord has said to serve ourselves? Yeah, yeah. like Balaam did. Mm-hmm. Right? So, um, that's that's good. Especially, you know, Laura, you mentioned how in this time there's so many different opinions. Um, and, yeah, we, we want to be sensitive to one another. We want to be strengthening one another, not those who would actually bring division or cause strife. Amen. All right. Um, we're going to go ahead and wrap up so that we can get the kids released back there. And I'm going to say a prayer. And then actually, before before we say the prayer, I just want to give a brief announcement. Oh, yeah. It's in my truck. Okay. I brought bread. So I, I received a lot of free bread. Um and so I've, I've got it in the truck. I need to bring it in. But I'll bring it out here into the front atrium. Everybody feel free to take some. It's from the Great Harvest Company. And so, yeah, I've got connections, y'all. Don't, don't, don't let me hear y'all say that I never gave you anything. And, and then I don't want to hear anybody complaining about the in, insubstantial food. You know? <laughs> this is good bread, okay? All right. So um, after, after the service, I'll go get it from the truck, and I'll bring it in. Uh, there's an assortment. Grab what you would like. What's that? Meat. Yeah, you want meat. Okay, well, we'll, we'll see if we can't have enough to come out your nose uh, next week. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you give us. You're right, right. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, okay, well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your love and kindness. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us. You're for us. You go before us. Uh, you go behind us and you lay your hand upon us. Lord, we thank you that you are an ever-present help in trouble. Lord, we ask that you would strengthen us and renew us. You'd give us wisdom to know how to prepare, Lord, for uh, what lies ahead. Lord, that we would prepare physically, we would prepare spiritually, and that we would seek unity with one another, that we would expect righteousness from one another, and that we would see that manifest. Lord, we... Uh, We give you thanks and praise that we live in this free country. We thank you, Lord, that you have good intentions and plans for this nation. We ask for it to bring forth. We ask that you would bring it forth, Lord, that justice and righteousness will rule and reign in this nation. That your your body of believers will rise up as intercessors, 
Lord, and that we would be a standard by which others would come to, to taste of your goodness. Lord, we ask these things in the name of Yeshua. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this message, please consider sharing it with a friend or family member and help us out by giving a review on iTunes or other podcast platform. Check out our website at walkingemmausroad.org for additional teachings and information about visiting Emmaus Road in Kingwood, Texas. Thank you.